Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Evening, Patricia. You're speaking to Ndombiga Sisibeng. I really enjoyed this music. I did. Thank you very much. Wow. And then another one from Donald in uh, Rustenburg who's saying, Yo, A-Team, good evening, Patricia, and all the A-Teamers. I really enjoy the song that you opened the show with. Well, we all did, and we were all dancing along to it. A-Teamers, let's get right into it. Do teachers in South Africa enjoy the same human rights that are enshrined in our constitutions? In their professional framework, we're going to be talking to Basil Manuel right now. Basil Manuel is executive director at the National Professional Teachers Organization of South Africa, NAPTOSA. Good evening, Basil. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Good evening, Patricia. Good to be back with you and good evening to the listeners. Well, you know, when it comes to the issue of teachers, I think since COVID started or the the outbreak came into our country, we realized the importance of teachers, the role that they play when it comes to educating our children. Because some of us, and, and I say some of us intentionally, I include myself. I struggled to do that homeschooling part (laughs) for a couple of months there last year. So I'm so grateful that now it's, it's, you know, uh, back to school, although it's not every day and it's a bit of a lighter burden for a, a parent like myself. But there's always a concern that teachers are not being treated fairly. And is this, is this, um, the correct outlook when it comes to teachers in their profession, especially now with COVID-19? Patricia, at first, I think we need to just say that uh, the the rights enshrined in our uh, constitution apply to everybody. But, But that is not the issue. The issue is whether they are actually enforced, whether they are acted upon. And this is where the breakdown comes. We pay a lot of lip service to the rights. Uh, Take, for example, um, the the right to an environment that is not harmful to to the health of the citizens. That's um, Section 24A. And when you consider that we had to fight and we had to stamp our feet and we had to threaten before basic PPEs were delivered. Now, and I know this does not only apply to teachers, but we're talking to the teaching environment. And remember, if teachers aren't safe, those in, in, in their care, the children, are also not safe. And when you look at the conditions some of our teachers are working under, um, when, when you talk about the right to dignity, human dignity, and you look at teachers having to use pit latrines and their children, and sometimes these pit latrines don't even have basic cover. In some places, the people have to go into the bush. Now, this is the problem that we want to highlight in this particular month. We want to celebrate our rights. We want to celebrate what we've achieved, but we want to highlight the deficiencies that we should not be having 26 years after the fact, and particularly in this COVID environment that we are in at the moment. And I've just uh, mentioned, too, the right to dignity and, of course, uh, the right to to an environment that is healthy and protective. So if we don't have those two basic ones, just imagine how difficult life becomes for everybody in the teaching environment, not just teachers, but uh, education personnel as well. 
Sure. So the disparities are still there because, you know, some A-teamers might say, why is Basil talking about uh, pit lat- uh, latrines and, and w- why would we be talking about this in uh, 2021? Well, that's the reality in some of the Quintal One schools. So the, 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 the responsibility and onus of uh, the education department in equalizing the playing field for teachers, what is it? And are they playing? Absolutely. Look, sorry, Patricia. The, the onus is on the, on, on the Department of Education to get uh, more done. If you think about infrastructure, the safe environment, and you look at how many mud schools we still have, how many unsafe schools, how many pit routines and the like we have, that certainly doesn't speak to safety or human dignity. But now the question is, let's just go further. What has been done about this? Yes, of course, gains have been made, but... When we talk uh, almost 30 years after the dawn of democracy, it, that's a whole generation. And, and we still have schools like that. That is surely shameful. But it gets even worse because the, the schools are left in this perpetual neglect. If you think about right to food and water, and you think that the teacher unions had to insist that schools don't reopen because some schools didn't have water. What does it say about our uh, environment of care in terms of human rights? And yes, some of those schools now have water, but is it sustainable? Because some of the water is being uh, taken there via tankers and put into tanks daily. And this is where the problem lies. COVID will come and go and the water will disappear. And when we talk about the human rights that we must celebrate, we've got to reflect on those children's human rights, the, 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 the right to, to have access to safe, clean drinking water, because it doesn't only impact on the teacher, it impacts on the child too. And I want to stress this. When we speak about the teachers, by extension, we are saying there are millions of children who are being disadvantaged by the same uh, deficiencies and shortcomings. A-teamers, are you an educator, a teacher, or um, you know, a, a concerned parent um, that has observed some of these inequalities and feel that more needs to be done so that teachers' rights, when they are at work in the school environment, um, those rights are not violated and they enjoy the same privileges? If you have you know, the same concerns, please do send us a WhatsApp on 0614104107 or you can SMS on 41391. To call in, dial 011-714-2006. We are talking to Basil Manuel, who is Executive Director at Naptosa. Now, you know, Basil, for me, it's it's really, you know, disheartening because when I come to work, like anyone else, I come to work to execute uh, my skills and my knowledge, but I also expect that my employer is going to provide all the necessary tools. So you can imagine if I were to come in um, one evening and find that there's no mic for me to be able to broadcast on, but then there's no water for me to be able to wash my hands or have a sip of water at the water cooler, or there's no toilet for me to go to. So 
if this is what teachers are facing, and like you rightfully said, it trickles down to the children, what then do we say about the expenditure that uh, the Minister of um, Finance tabled out in his budget speech? Because we see that over the medium term, uh, 36.7 billion rands will be allocated to education infrastructure grant, which will be used to roll out new school infrastructure and maintain existing infrastructure. Do, do, is this just fiction or do we feel that it's not enough or do we feel there's also wasteful expenditure when um, implementing the infrastructure? I think it's more of the latter because it would be unfair to say it's fiction because certainly schools are being built. Certainly there is some maintenance taking place. But if you don't maintain regularly and you don't maintain on, in a broad spectrum, as soon as your own house your own home is not maintained. In a year's time, it will cost you twice the amount. And as a result, the cost of maintenance is increasing all the time. But there is a prohibitive cost to building classrooms and schools and far beyond what it should be. And this is part of the problem that we are having in South Africa, where we have a lot of exploitation of everything and anything that has to do with government. But talking about the um, the budget, we must remember in the medium-term uh, uh, budget speech in November, there was an indication of a decrease in the education budget over the next three years. And that is certainly disconcerting because the gains we have made, and there are many gains, I don't want to create the impression that there have been no gains, but they get lost quicker when you don't have sufficient money to maintain them be it infrastructure, be it the supply of teachers. You know, Section 29.1 says um, that every the children have a right to basic education. And when one thinks about what that right entails and how it impacts on teachers, basic education must surely mean quality basic education in terms of sufficient teachers, not the overcrowded classes our teachers are sitting in, not the classes where... The, the teacher hardly has space to move. And some teachers say it's cloud control rather than teaching. And when you think about that, you question whether the budget is being allocated correctly. And you question whether we shouldn't be doing things differently. And I know that there are points of excellence, but I'm talking to the majority of our learners, where the majority of our learners are actually schooling in uh, really poor and bad circumstances and this is what we need to address if anything human rights day needs to be reflecting on how we are failing our children mm. let me and go by to extension our teachers yeah definitely let me go to an atmos on the line uh jay good evening good evening to you and good evening to our guests my pet subject school and school children yes it doesn't take 26 years to come to the drawing board and get things straightened. You know, Patricia, um, I think when when they allocate budget and what this budget is meant for and where it's going to, it must be shown on media and detailed in every area how this money is being used. A teacher, a principal in the school, their duty is to educate children, not running around and looking for water and toilet system and security for the school and so forth. When you walk into a classroom, 
you cannot find the teacher because she is covered with mountains of school work, you know, paper, that amount of work she's got. Then the other issue is overload of classroom with pupils. There were supposed to be a minimum between 25 to maximum of 30 in a class. Class work is so overloaded on the teacher. If the child has to go to the toilet, she is worrying what is happening to the child in the toilet. Are they going to come back safely? Is there going to be water? It is so pathetic. The education department, I think they should stand up and say, look, enough is enough. And the community on the old must now have a detailed account how the budget is being allocated. It was always pointed out previously disadvantaged because of apartheid system. It doesn't take 26 years for this intelligent or common sense people to put things right. And I think it is going so backward in us instead of going forward. They're going three steps backward instead of taking three steps forward. Thank you very much for this program. I hope we can hear better results from various areas and schools especially. Thank you so much. Thank Have you very night. much, Jay. And and your concerns are well noted. Basil, you see, the community, parents, guardians, grandparents are all concerned. But I'm, I'm, my my concern is I'm not seeing or seeing messages or um, calls coming in from teachers. So surely they must be happy. They must be comfortable, uh, except for those who come to you as an optosa to give you complaints. On the COVID-19 front, Basil, Mm-hmm. I, we've seen that teachers are also saying, look, healthcare workers are being given priority, but there's so many of them. What about teachers? Why are teachers not being given the same priority? Because like you said, if a teacher gets infected, all those children that they have in their class, if it's 100, all 100 will get sick as well. Patricia, absolutely. And we have been um, at the forefront of the fight to ensure that teachers are recognized as part of the frontline working core and not to muscle anybody out. We do believe that your health workers must be right at the top. But of course, we also believe that teachers need to be there for a variety of reasons. Um, The ones that you've mentioned, and then if you just consider a little more that uh, if schools aren't functional, the entire community suffers. Over and above that, the economy suffers if the children are not taken care of. Uh, Schools provide a dual role. They are caretakers of the children, and then also they educate. And they relieve parents of that responsibility. And uh, if we don't uh, have a program of ensuring that our teachers get the vaccination as part of the top group, we are going to find out that when the next wave comes, we will have more disruption to education. And in fact, what we are suggesting is that should we get the vaccinations, uh, we may be able to get schools back to normality. And that is what we want to see. Because 
um, the, the framework we currently have and we understand why we have it, because it's also because of the thrust that we have put in there, it is also extremely disruptive to teaching and it puts a lot of pressure on teachers to get through the work. So we would like normality, but normality comes at a cost. And the cost is to vaccinate uh, as many or the vast majority of our teachers who are now in the vast majority wanting to take the vaccine. Oh, my goodness. What else can be said? What else can be done um, so that we can ensure that teachers are enjoying the same human rights um, like everyone else? I think we need more activism. And I'm not talking only about activism like the one we are seeing now in terms of, of fees. And if I can just tongue-in-cheek say, I wish our grade R's could march in the same way, that our little children could do the same. And maybe we'd start focusing on basic education and, and the right of those children to actually be looked after because they are not being cared for properly. We've neglected basic education. But to say we need greater activism from our communities. If our communities are sitting back and happy with the conditions that are there, nobody is going to do anything more for you. And the same applies to our teacher core too. Uh, We need more teacher activism. And I'm not advocating for marches and things. I'm advocating for drawing attention to what is bad. When we neglect the human rights, it's highlighted. We can't continually beat our breasts and say, oh, we've got a great constitution and we have a Bill of Rights, how good uh, we are and how well we have done. That's nonsense. We've got to live it and we've got to give it life. That is what is required. Basil, thank you so very much uh, for shedding light on this issue, of which I think is of great importance. And I'm hoping that um, we can all, um, you know, galvanize our our efforts to ensuring that teachers are treated fairly. The education system is of such a standard that um, even in the quintile one schools, they have all the basic necessities for education to continue. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Patricia. You have a good night further. Good evening.